Hello, thanks for joining us for worship today. My name is Bryce and I work on the Family Life team here at Heritage Church. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we are glad that you are here with us today. As a church, we exist to connect people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. So today, we invite you to worship with us in song, prayer, and teaching. Feel free to engage however is most comfortable for you. We believe that God has something to say to you today. So if this is your first time joining us for service, or if you have any questions, prayer requests, or want to talk to one of our pastors, please go to heritageqc.com connect, and someone from the pastoral team will contact you soon. We are excited and expectant for what God is going to do in our time together. So let's lift our voices as we worship Him today. So church, I want to advise to do something as we start our service today. Would you just lift up your hands or lift out your hands like this before God as a posture of surrender to Him this morning, asking Holy Spirit to do what only He can do in our lives, in these cities and in our world. Amen. And we're going to start by just welcoming the presence of God in this space because He's here, He's alive, He's active. And we would be, it would be amiss if we left here today without encountering the presence of the living God. So would you sing this with me? It goes like this.
church. Our hope is in him. Let's declare this together. Church, would you pray with me? God, it is you who makes a way where there is no way. God, it is you who are our healer and our sustainer. God, it is you who gives peace and comfort. So God, as we lean into your presence here this morning, Holy Spirit, would you have your way in us? We welcomed you in this space here this morning, God, and we don't want to stop there. We want you to invade our hearts. We want you to teach us where we are not surrendering to you, God, so that we can leave here not the same. God, do it only you can. Do the impossible. We believe right now in this moment that you are a wonder-working God, that you are a God of the impossible, a God of miracles, a God who can heal and restore and bind up the brokenhearted. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to do that now with full faith. And God, as we continue to worship through hearing your word, would you speak to us? Would you help us take what you have for us and, and not just ponder on it, God, but, but take action into living to all that you have for us. It's in your holy and precious name that everybody said, amen.
morning. That was not enthusiastic. I was enthusiastic. Good morning. Thanks, y'all. Um, good morning. It's so good to see all of you today. Um, for those of you that don't know, I am Pastor Michaela Colbreeze, and I've been on the Heritage staff for just about a year now. Um, I am from this area, and I'm currently raising three amazing boys. It is just, it's such an honor to be up here today and to, to just continue to travel with you. I'm just excited to join this week four of our Holy Ghost series. And as I have been praying this week and last week over this message and for you, I just felt so overwhelmed by God's truth for all of us. And I just want to say this amazing word that I received. And the word was that the love of God is the most intimate presence that you will ever find yourself in. Now I'm going to just do a brief prayer and we'll get started. Father God, we come to you as your vessels ready for your word to pierce our souls. Empty us of ourselves and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Bless this time together and bless this conversation. We love you. And in Jesus' holy name, all God's people said, amen. <laughs> so today, um, as Pastor Luke said, I'll be going through um, Galatians, particularly chapter 5. And Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. And one of the pieces that I love about the story of the conversion of Saul to the Apostle Paul is the irony of his journey. You see, when he was a former Pharisee, nobody was more extreme or knew the law of Moses better than he. In fact, he knew it so well and was so fervent with it that he was a great persecutor of all Christ's followers. And they feared him mightily. They fled and they hid from him. But we have a God who will pursue us even in our ugliness, right? So Jesus Christ interceded on Saul's behalf. And when he did this, he did a 180. His life was changed as he was brought out from under the thumb of the worldly laws and he stepped into a relationship with Jesus given freely to him. Now the opening dialogue of chapter 5 in the book of Galatians, it centers on this, this great controversy which is taking place um, in the churches that he founded in Galatia. Now he had found the, he founded them and then he went away he had some other, you know, church planning to do. But when he did this, it appears to be that there were some new Pharisees that began to make claim to this church that what they were currently doing, it didn't quite hit the Christian mark. And these were false teachings, false gospels, right? And so they pointed back to the Old Testament law, the law of Moses, and this law, it included the ritual of circumcision. Now, many in the Galatian church, they began to follow the old law because 
they didn't want to be seen as, or didn't want to seem as though they were lacking in their newfounded faith. And so as we read his letter to the Galatians in chapter five, Paul, he's unpacking the consequences of this twisting, this double-mindedness that occurs when it comes to being um, a new Christian and you're being kind of, you know, manipulated. And we can also detect in this translation that Paul is furious. He's furious that these Christians are being knocked off their path and being instructed the Jewish laws over Christianity. And so I'm going to read the scripture. Um, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, Paul is speaking to them, and this is what he said. He says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, right? If you're trying to, um, oh, I've lost my place. Oh, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I'll say it again, Paul said. He said, I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from God's grace. Paul, ooh, he's mad. He's really mad. And he's saying, I don't know who is telling you these things or is setting you all up to follow this Old Testament law of Moses, but they, they are wrong. He's claiming the truth of Jesus' sacrifice and the Holy Spirit for our sanctification. Paul is saying, I don't know who they think they are, but they don't get to change the goodness of God. Paul is saying they don't get to rewrite the liberty which Jesus freely gave to you through his blood, through his sacrifice, through his death on the cross for our sins. He's like, they don't get to pollute it. They don't get to minimize it. They don't get to make it lukewarm. lukewarm. They cannot dilute it. It is what it is. It is immeasurable. It is life-giving. It is soul-saving. And it is yours. So do not turn away from it. Why, Paul is saying, why would you put back on these chains, these chains that have been removed from you? And there's just, there's just this tension in this piece of scripture. The Holy Spirit is revealing through the Apostle Paul, that they're being manipulated and misled because they are pursuing righteousness through their own strength. And in doing so, there's this pride of self, and they're submitting themselves back in, or into this enslavement, back into this bondage to the Jewish Old Testament law. They had been free until their desires to be holy, ultra-holy, they were manipulated and trumped, right? They trumped this grace that was found in the liberation through Christ. Now I'm going to read Galatians chapter 5, verse 4 again. It says, for if, if you are trying to make yourselves right 
with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. I've been here. I've been where they're at. When I first returned to Christ, I was on fire. You could have called an entire fire station to come down and they could not have even put out a flame, not even a little bit of a flame. I was so on fire. I had such a passion that I could not wait to spend the entire day with God. And I would fall asleep in his word every night. But after a while, as I'm raising these children and I'm going to school and I'm going to work, well, I started to hit the snooze button a little bit more. I got really tired and got behind in laundry. And then there were showers and then there was dinner and then there was homework and then there was life. And I decided, well, you know, I'm too busy. Sorry, God, I know you love me, but I'm pretty busy. But I was also convicted in this. And so I was like, okay, I'm pretty busy, but I want to be a good Christian. So I'm going to make sure I read five minutes here, pray here. And I'm probably, I'm probably going to sing a song too a little bit later. May not really seem like worship to him, but it's still music, right? And um, I couldn't do it. So for every one that I missed, I would add about two more. And I just kept adding on these rules. But the problem was this belief started to form within me that I was failing. I just, I just couldn't quite keep up with my pursuit of Christ. And then I started to get really mad. I started to have this resentment in my spirit. And I would watch people and I would secretly, I would judge them. I would judge the ways that they weren't doing things right. I would judge the ways that they just, you know, they didn't really seem as Christian as I did on the outside. And I was mad. I didn't understand why I, who seemed to be doing more and more, still felt further away. I undeniably felt as though I had fallen away from grace. Well, what about you? Have you guys ever had really dry seasons? Have you ever felt the sting of not doing enough on your end when it came to your relationship with God, with God and you began to move without that free, continual submission to him? Or, on the other hand, have you ever felt like others around you maybe weren't really being Christian enough until that you found yourself secretly judging their lack while being, you know, pretty impressed with your own record? Well, we know that that's not real Christianity, is it? Just as Paul had said, when we decided that our works are needed more than what was freely given to us by the cross— Indeed, we have been deceived. In fact, you can be certain that what has taken place here is an assignment 
from the father of lies. Legalism is a masked tool of Satan. Now on the exterior, it seems to foster a holiness, right? However, in truth, it couldn't be further away from that because it shifts our trust in the justification from Christ to the atonement of our sins. And we don't feel safe with God anymore. And we feel that there's a gap that in our strength, somehow, we can fill it. And this brings us to our first fill-in on your, uh, the guide that you're following. And it is legalism is an attack on our relationship with God. It is founded on the flesh, and legalism guides with an ugly tone that causes us to rise and fall under the weight of perfection, ungodly expectations. Because legalism is stitched with pride, again, it causes us to judge others, which eventually breaks down and destroys the heartbeat of the church. It even sets us on our own pedestals, claiming that our eternal salvations must come from our own hands instead of those which bear the scars of hanging on the cross. Now, as a caution, I want to be clear here. I'm not stating that any and all rules and all commandments are legalistic. No, that's not a truth. It's not. The New Testament has rules and commandments which are a guide into the righteous heart of God. They're good. They're good, right? And they're not meant to harm us. To obey and fulfill God's law is first an inward expression of love cultivated through the Holy Spirit. In truth, good works such as submitting ourselves under God's authority and the fruit of our faith, which is nurtured by the Holy Spirit in our lives, it will ultimately, ultimately become an outward expression of our love as well to those around us. Now last week, Pastor Jeremiah, he made this powerful statement as he was preaching, and, and I, I admit it stuck with me. He said, risk is asking for the Holy Spirit himself to fill and overwhelm and overflow through us. Don't settle for less. He said, risk for something greater. Hmm. Well, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, Scripture says this. It says, now faith, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and it is assurance about what we do not see. So when we settle for less, as Pastor Jeremiah said, we are choosing unbelief, ungodliness, and even disobedience. When we place our trust in ourselves instead of Christ, we're no longer walking in this freedom. And that's not Christianity at all. Our faithfulness is produced by the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus said will guide us into all truth. And we're going to look here at Galatians chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. What, we're going to see what this says. It says this. It says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. 
For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And a couple things are happening in this passage. Paul is explaining that getting circumcised or not getting circumcised, well, it's, it really isn't the overarching point here. At least not in the standings of God's judgment of us because Christ has, he's already come. What has the most significance is if our faith is found in Christ. And is that faith in Christ motivating the ways we live out God's law? God's law to love. We are not to take advantage of the freedom he gave us and return to our fleshy ways of being selfish or self-serving. Instead, we are to abide. We are to abide with the Spirit who will guide us and produce within us in faith to the righteousness for which we hope. The fruit of the Spirit. God's law of love. And he tells us what this love is. And it is, it's beautiful. And it's, it seems simple, but we know it's incredibly complex. In Galatians 5, chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, this is what the fruit is. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit into our lives. Love, joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. And it's important for you to understand as you hear those that it's not like a checklist, right? It's not like a checklist you would make when you're going to a grocery store and I gotta make sure I get this and this and this and this. this. The fruit of the spirit, singular, is the opposite of the works of the flesh. The fruit, even though it has all these various parts, right? It all boils down to one thing, love. Each of those things are an outpouring of love. Well, let's be honest here. It's not always easy living in freedom. Weighing our what do we want against the question of what does God want, it can be a fairly challenging balancing act. And then if you toss in fulfilling God's law of displaying true, extraordinary love to those closest to us, as well as those whom have also harmed us, well, this is a challenge which all of us as Christians come up against, right? And then let's not forget that we each also have our own set of habitual responses, uh, environmental factors in our home and workplaces. We even have generational attachments in our family lines which inform spaces of our lives that are familiar and uncertain. Don't get discouraged. That's okay. Listen, listen, God, he knows the uniqueness of each and every one of your lives. He knows the uniqueness of your lives and your backgrounds. 
He knows how these things in your lives and your environments have impressed upon you as a, per- as a person. He has seen what the, flesh, what the flesh has constructed into our lives and into others' lives. The fruit of the Spirit, it includes different attitudes and actions that will become more and more evident in our lives as we follow God's way. This is a true freedom to fulfill God's law by loving others. However, as I said earlier, the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, it's not located in the easy because we are incapable of doing it on our own. We cannot cultivate the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit in our own strength. But we have a God who said, in your weakness, I am strong. So what do we do? Well, we cue in the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Holy Spirit which produces this fruit, not our works. So again, don't be discouraged. Instead, be encouraged. Because Jesus said that he would send us this Holy Spirit, and he has. And nothing immediately blooms into fruition anyway, right? Your soil, it will need to be tended to, nurtured by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It will need to be watered by the living water, Jesus Christ. Yes, you, I, we, right? We commence as mere seedlings. But as we continue to submit our lives to the adoring authority of God, you will sprout upwards toward budding spiritual maturity. Because the more that we yield to the Holy Spirit, the more fruit we will see. And as that happens, we will find ourselves exercising self-awareness and more consideration towards others. We will intentionally be more patient, more gentle, and even more kind where before we most often would instead show our thorns. Our peace and our joy, it will, it will stretch. It will stretch, it will widen and lengthen, right? And it will just be this amazing, growing love. A love that the Holy Spirit continues to work within us for the rest of our lives on this side of heaven. This love is one which seeks to heal old wounds, one which breaks generational curses on our families. It changes our habitual, habitual responses, or reactions into responses that would bend towards a pause. We have grace and compassion towards ourselves, towards others, towards our spouses, our coworkers, our neighbors, our families, and our communities. Do not ever underestimate the power of love. It is the total essence of God. And I tell you this, that where the Holy Spirit cultivates the fruit of the Spirit, there will be breakthrough. Where the Holy Spirit cultivates the fruit of the Spirit in your lives, there will be breakthrough. So as we have been navigating our way through chapter 5 of Galatians today, 
The Apostle Paul has laid out these facts of living by the flesh by our activated decisions and choices which were following our human desires. And he's also saying what it means instead to live in the Spirit through our active decision to follow God's desire instead and to allow the Holy Spirit to bring the fruit of the Spirit into fruition. Our ultimate decisions, our free will, right? It will have impact on all aspects of our lives, of which choice we will make, of whether or not we will follow our fleshy ways or we will follow God's law. And this brings us to our final fill-in. We have been set free to love. We have been set free to love. Listen, church, I I know that we have doctrines and all these other thoughts and these ideas about God, and, and that's good because it helps us to know him more. However, God himself tells us that all the Bible reading, all the Sunday mornings, all of it, all of this stuff that you might do is pointless if it is not immersed with love. That is how important love is. Look around you. I'm standing up here. I don't see a single head moving. Uh, Look, (laughs) you guys can't hide in the back. I can see you. Look around you, right? Look at your brothers and your sisters in Christ. I know we're comfortable just knowing who we came with, but every person in this room matters. And you are, in fact, connected to them, whether you know their name or not. And as you look at them, I want you to think also about your communities, your neighbors, the kids you see playing out in the streets, the people you pull up next to in their cars when you're on your way to the store, to the work, or even to here, right? The fruit of the Spirit, the love cultivated in you, each of you, well, we need it. And if it sounds like I am preaching in really a a big urgency, I tell you now, yes, I am. It is urgent. We need your fruit. We need the fruit of the Spirit cultivated in you. And I'm going to tell you why, because someone in here today is one decision from walking away from their marriage. There's someone in here today that is one decision away from financial ruin. There is someone in here today who feels isolated and invisible, and they desperately need someone to notice because they can't bring themselves to be vulnerable and to put it into words. There is someone in here who is one decision away from never coming back to this church or any other church for that matter. There's someone in our community who won't walk through the doors into a church because they believe that they are too state, unworthy to sit before God. That is how important God's law of love is. That is how important. 
there is an entire community in Texas that is devastated. And quite frankly, we are all probably devastated with them. Can't you see that we need the fruit of the Spirit? We need your yes. There is zero scarcity when it comes to opportunities to outpour the fruit of the Spirit. Do not undervalue the ministry of the Holy Spirit working through each of you as a vessel of God for the children of God. Indeed, each of your lives have great impact, significant, lasting, and most likely eternal impact. There is nothing about you that is insignificant. Your lives have impact. So how you choose to lose, how you choose to live, and how we love others, and what you choose to inform your decisions, it has always mattered, and it will continue to matter eternally. Church, this is not a condemnation. I have to tell this stuff to myself too. God has to put, put people in my path to remind me. I'm not perfect, right? But this is an illumination of the truth from this Holy Spirit. So guard yourselves against unforgiveness, apathy, and self-serving attitudes, pride and ego, and all the other things that keep you away from love. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you walk in humility with the shoes of the gospel fitted specifically for your feet and allow the presence of the Holy Spirit within you and I and we, right, to produce the fruit, the heart of God. And then I ask each of you, don't leave here today the same. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Be bold, take courage, and love freely in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to pray, and um, I have a prayer that God gave me, and I wrote it down because I couldn't remember it all. But um, after I pray, I have asked the worship team to share a song about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we decided to do this because to heed the Holy Spirit, you must first be aware of his presence in your lives. As you listen to the words of this song, allow them to saturate your spirit. Become a part of this song, right? Absorb the melody of God abundantly with us, omnipresent. God fully present in you, in me, in we. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today in God-confident faith 
thank you for the transcending powerful love of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the everlasting salvation freely given to us. God, thank you for your active word, which is a lamp at our feet. We praise you and we kneel in awe of your glory. Holy Spirit, make us more aware of your presence so that we would embrace you in our hearts. May your truth be produced within us and edify us through the fruit of the Spirit, of which is a perpetual fountain of absolute love. Create in us a continual desire to love others as God would have us love. Continue to reveal to us the spaces in our lives where we need more of you and less of ourselves. Help us. Father, help us to continue to walk in your freedom. You have shown us by your wisdom, by your grace and your mercy that you are one which loves his children so dearly that you would hold us in your presence without ceasing. Let us become more aware of your goodness in and for us. Let us become more aware of your holy, magnificent, comforting, and cultivating presence. And all God's people said, amen. sing this with us.
this morning there's no broken body you can raise no soul that you can save all things are possible man those are heavy words aren't they powerful words that the God we serve is the God in which nothing is impossible yeah that's worth celebrating come on yeah that nothing is impossible with our God. And what we're about to sing is the darkest night, he can light it up. I don't know if you're in a dark moment in your life, but God can light it up. The gift of Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is here in this space, even right now, ready to, to meet with you where you are. Nothing is impossible for our God. Church, can we come before him this morning and ask him for the impossible? Can we come before him this morning and give him all of our praise, everything we have, every breath in our lungs, asking God to do the impossible in our family's lives, asking God to, to light up the darkest valley we find ourselves in, asking God to move on behalf of our, of our siblings or our family members, asking God to bring revival to this nation. Can he do it, church? Yes, he can. So we're gonna sing this with full faith this morning, asking God to light it up, to bring revival in the Quad Cities, to bring revival in our nation, to do the impossible. Let's do that together. Here we go. The darkest night, you can light it up. You can light it up. We got a revival. Come on, church. Let hope arise. Death is overcome.
show up. Amen. Well, church, we're going to continue through worship and, and, and giving over tithes and offerings. So ushers, I invite you to come and serve us at this time. And we're going to celebrate one more song together, declaring that there is victory in the name of Jesus. Let's celebrate in that victory today, church. All right, sing this out with me. We will lift our eyes. We will lift our eyes, we won't fear the fight, there is one who's stronger. Hard press on each side, we will not lose sight of the one who's greater. Come on, sing this with me. One day, one day. Holds every victory. One voice that silences the enemy. One king who reigns for all eternity. Jesus, Jesus. On the Power is revealed, giants fall defeated. Yeah. We are taking ground and walls are falling down in the mighty name of Jesus. One name, one name holds every victory. One voice. There's victory in the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, we can celebrate that today. He's worthy of all the praise. Every victory is his, and he gets credit alone. Let's sing that together, every victory. And every victory is yours. Every victory is yours.
What a powerful service this has been. If something during the service struck a chord with you and you'd like to have someone pray with you, or if you have a follow-up question to something said during the sermon, I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com connect and one of us from the pastoral team will reach out to you. That's also a great way to find out which groups, classes, and events we are offering. If you've been impacted by the service, we'd encourage you to consider partnering with us by giving to the Ministry of Heritage Church, which makes programs like this possible. One of the easiest ways to do this is by going to heritageqc.com give. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today, and we'll see you next week.